Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're well wherever you may be. Today we hear from VRT's Elie Vervloot, coordinator of the European Broadcasting Union's Drama Initiative, about the importance of collaboration between public service broadcasters and streamers on high-end scripted projects. And from Wildside's Mario Giannani and the apartment's Lorenzo Mielli about the two Fremantle-owned Italian Prodco strategies, the virtues of risk-taking and significance of development. Elie Vervloot is International Drama Executive at VRT in Belgium and Coordinator of the European Broadcasting Union's Drama Initiative, whose first project is a series developed prior to the pandemic about the impact on society of a deadly virus. She spoke to Nico Franks about how the show, called Arcadia, was reworked as a result of COVID-19 and also about how a scheme called the Collective Pre-Buy Network has emerged out of the EBU, designed to ensure public service broadcasters secure the most promising premium drama series from Europe before being swooped on by US streamers. My name is Ellie Vervloet. I work for VRT, which is the public broadcaster in Belgium, Flemish-speaking part. I'm international drama expert for VRT, and I also work for EBU uh, as an international drama expert. And tell me a bit how those two roles kind of work together and what you're doing in the worlds of international co-production. For uh, VRT, as well as for other public broadcasters, it's important to, to, uh, to make uh, high production, high quality drama in a very competitive landscape we're living in uh, with, with all the platforms that entered our local territories uh, in order to stay relevant and to offer high quality uh, content. It's important to, to collaborate um, and uh, that's the main focus of my role for VRT as for EBU is to see whether and how we could collaborate with other partners. Um, preferably this would be other public broadcasters, but you feel there's also uh, a lot of public broadcasters in Europe are struggling with the question, should we collaborate with platforms, yes or no? So this is uh, also a topic that is very relevant and very actual taking place for the moment, um, should we do it? For VRT, for example, VRT, we work with all uh, partners, with uh, platforms, with other public broadcasters. Uh, I think for us it's important to have the, the rights, the branding, and to keep editorial control when we are commissioning broadcasters. And if you can negotiate a fair contribution, then we don't exclude any partners uh, in our co-productions. And there's been some initiatives coming out of the EBU in terms of helping European public broadcasters kind of cooperate. So tell me a bit about what stage that's in now. I think the most important initiative within EBU now is the what we call the collective pre-buy network. Um, it is about uh, organising pitching sessions, offering high-quality drama to other public broadcasters uh, during an exclusive window before the rights are sold to another uh, platform or to another player in Europe. And it, it, it has an advantage on both sides. On the one hand, we think it's important to, keep the, to have access to high-quality drama content which becomes more and more difficult because of the platforms, because of the studios all launching their own platforms. So we want to, to, to guarantee access to high quality drama on the one hand, and by doing so, 
by organizing these pre-buy sessions, uh, we help the series to get financed. So for the producer and the broadcaster, or the rights holder, it's also a good way to get the financing closed, to find those last 15% or 20% you need uh, for your production. So it works in both ways. Um, we, 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 we launched it this year. Uh, we did a tryout last year. We have two rounds a year in which broadcasters, members of the EBU, if they think they have a, a good drama series in development uh, with European potential, uh, they can uh, offer it to the EBU and we work with an editorial board that contains head of, uh, commissioners, heads of drama, acquisitions people, and they make a selection. Um, and then, like I said, we organize these online pitching sessions for all the members. Uh, they can subscribe, uh, they can meet the producer, they meet the broadcaster, they can ask questions and then they can, they can put a bid on the table. And what we try to, to do as EBU is to show that if we make the bids collective, if we collect all those different bids coming from different broadcasters, it becomes a substantial amount of money. And um, there is an exclusive window of one month, which means that during that exclusive window, the rights holder can't sell the rights to another European player. Uh, so broadcasters need to act fast, they need to make quick decisions, they need to make a bid, and then uh, EBU pulls out. I mean, we, we are not part of the negotiations. The negotiations, negotiations take place between the rights holder and uh, uh, broadcaster that's, that has put a bit on the table. Belgium's a really interesting market in terms of streaming and there are platforms like Streams and Videoland which I think are attached to the more traditional broadcasters. How do you work with those companies? Uh, like I said before we, we don't exclude any partnership and I think the, the Streams is an important platform to collaborate with. Um, we are trying to find uh, a way of collaboration which is um, a good position for both uh, of us. So we talk about concrete projects, we talk about the rights and how should we divide the rights and what kind of uh, yeah, deal can we make around those series. So um, it's an interesting um, dialogue we are in for the moment and I'm sure something concrete will come out of it soon. Same goes for Videoland, although they are part, they're um, um, operating in the Netherlands, which is easier in a way for us sometimes to, to, to make a deal because they're not uh, operating in our, our own territory. But it's important, I think, to not exclude any partners and to try to reach out and to try out different models of collaboration. So uh, I'm sure with streams we could co-produce a series or we could sell rights, or we could buy rights the other way around. So there are very different options. And editorially, is, is, are there, is there an alignment there in terms of what you feel like you're looking for and what the, the streamers are looking for? I think there, is a, there are some, some similarities between what we are producing or co-producing and what the streamers are producing. I think VRT offers content that is um, a bit, little bit less traditional than what other public broadcasters offer. We always try to, to create something new, uh, innovative. Uh, we, we are a little bit edgy, more edgy, I think, than traditional broadcasters. And therefore, for us, it's quite easy to collaborate with platforms. Um, 
and they like what we are um, co-producing together with our production companies in Belgium. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not that difficult to find projects to collaborate on. And we were at Connext in Antwerp in October. That was a great event in terms of showing a spotlight on what how much activity there is going on in Flanders. Uh, what were some of your main kind of takeaways from the event? Um, I'm, I'm always um, happily surprised to see how many creativity there is in Flanders. We are such a small region and I think we have so many talents. Um, and I'm, I'm really, it's not only about our own series, but also series that were pitched by the commercial broadcasters and streams. It's really great to see because I think it's important that creativity is there and that our producers and our creative talents can work for those different platforms. There's, yeah, there is so much creativity. There is a lot of unique development in Flanders. Um, we do maybe less um, uh, series based on existing IP where we tend to, I don't know, it's in, in the culture, I don't know why, but our creators like to invent new stories uh, starting from a white sheet. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to see how many good creative talents there still are and good ideas that are developed. I'm casting my mind back to, I think it was uh, a Content London On Demand session we did in 2020. And I think there was a project that was by happenstance about a pandemic um, and it was being developed prior to, to the pandemic that hit in, in 2020. Can you give me an update on that project? Yeah, you're uh, definitely talking about Arcadia, uh, which was indeed presented uh, uh, during Content London two years ago. It's great. I mean, uh, we are now in post-production. The series um, um, looks great. It's a near-fiction series. that It takes place in the near future. It's like a dystopian family drama. And like you said, it was developed before Corona hits the world. So um, we really had a difficult... Uh, it was a difficult process in how to deal with that uh, coronavirus because it really crossed uh, the development of our series. And fortunately, we decided at a certain point to totally get away from the deadly virus thing. And because it's not that relevant, it, the series is about a, uh, a society that is created after a big uh, worldwide disaster. And it, was not important whether it was a virus or a climate disaster. That was not the, the topic. The topic was that we create a society where people have to earn to live in, they have to work hard, obey the rules, stay healthy, they get a chip implanted uh, with a, a citizen score and they're constantly followed by the government. And if they um, lose their job or if they drink alcohol or if they get sick, their uh, score drops and when you uh, cost more to the society than you bring to the society you are thrown out so that's the idea of Ar Arcadia so the series uh, will be released um, next spring uh, simultaneously at VRT and on NPO the Touch Public Broadcaster and soon after uh, the German uh, co-producing partners will follow it's uh, co-produced with WDR and SWR and we already have uh, second series commissions, so it's very exciting. I'm very much looking forward to it because it's, it's a new genre um, and we like to challenge our audience and take them uh, in, on a journey together with us.
to keep creating exciting uh, drama series. Founded in Rome in 2009 by producers Lorenzo Mielli and Mario Giannani, Wildside is among Italy's foremost film and TV production companies, with credits including The Young Pope, a local version of In Treatment and My Brilliant Friend. Fremantle acquired the business in 2015, with Mielli moving on to establish the apartment within the company and Giannani continuing to spearhead Wildside as chief executive. The latter spoke to Michael Picard about the Prodco's international strategy, approach to co-productions and upcoming Disney Plus star original series The Good Mothers. I'm uh, Mario Giannani, I'm the CEO of Wildside. Uh, I founded the company more than 10 years ago with, with, with Lorenzo Mieli funding the two companies together that was uh, Wilder and Offside. Yeah, I've never seen so many things have changed, so we started with, with a merger of uh, of two independent companies, we and uh, through this merger, we have done. Uh, we brought into into the company um, larger content than what we used to be. So we we brought in uh, one of, at the time one of the most uh, popular writer and director of comedies, and so we basically made a blend of independent cinema, independent TV, and large. So and then and the, after all this mix became you know a larger company I never since we have been larger ourselves then Fremantle came and we scale up an international project so it's been a long run and we still try to keep on doing this this attitude towards the market in, in which we enlarge and we see opportunities in the market whatever opportunities present themselves and it, and it's been sort of three years now since. Uh, Lorenzo left and, and set up the apartment and yeah. you've been running Wildside so obviously we've had the pandemic in that time so I mean how, how do we find Wildside now after the pandemic in those three years of perhaps change for, for the company after Lorenzo left? Yeah I mean the company was uh, I mean the company lived with the project that were already in development and developed in the same in the same way so basically we do our diet is is a diet made of many ingredients uh, so of course we care very much about the local market the Italian market and so we um, we produce content for for cinema now in a, in a minute we talk how they change so we have produced you know large comedies for you know big audience and we kept on doing that and also on TV we have IPs of you know local IPs for Sky and all the networks and they've you know we, we kept doing that very domestic and uh, and then also we have um, relation with talent that brought us to uh, uh, in an international. It keep even when we ran so left, keep the level of internationality of the company on the outside. So we, uh, especially in, in in films, we've started with films like now we're producing the Severo Bastanzas movie, which is very expensive movie with Joe Kiri and you know the guys, and um, and now we're developing Limonov Finally, came into with and this fantastic uh, feature movie. And um, and then we've done, you know, with Felix Tengreni, we work on an Italian film. So we, 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 we kept our international ambition and we're developing, you know, four very ambitious uh, TV series. So I think what side is, keeps being blending and, and mixing the very domestic and very international uh, stuff at the same time. I think we want to, to, we want to be, be prepared in a market that changes every time. So we're not 
we don't want tolerance to concentrate on a high end. We we need to have you know more variation because you know we're a large company, and I think also we have to sit on the space in the local in the local market and domestic market that we cannot leave. So I don't think. Uh, even, even when I mean, overall, the the fact that the apartment was created, overall, the presence of Fremantle in Italy has increased rather than being reduced. So we didn't divide some two into four into two two, but I think we have done more than that, mm-hmm. and that was the mission. So mm-hmm. what I was left with what we had, and we had it all the apartment stuff. So I think yeah. you know, strategic wise was very smart. Great, great. And, and we were just talking um, a minute ago about the struggling film business and, and people perhaps aren't going back to the cinema after the pandemic. How how do you see the, the television industry on the, on the other side? Is that profiting maybe from cinema's uh, that decline? Uh, yeah, during the pandemic we saw you know, huge growth on our TV consumption and we were all thinking, you know, what we'll be losing into the theater consumption will regain. Um, I don't know, I think uh, also having put so much product into the platform has changed a little bit also the consumption of the platform. So if I have to judge from what, from the, what, how the commissioning has changed, um, I understand that platforms now are more interested uh, generally in domestic, first of all, uh, product and also the ambitions of not to be only different or better but I think they want to have uh, a larger audience like we used to be more commercial TV. Of course the standards are always very high but still if I have to judge, I mean for example there is a high request for comedies that was not in the past, you know, uh, uh, stars, you know, before there was ambition of creating, you know, a star alternative star system. I don't think this is the case now. They want to, take. and um, and 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 so yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, in terms of profitability, we shall see because you know the crisis uh, now is for everybody. You know, all all this. Uh, uh, great new subscribers, increase of subscribers uh, the, during the pandemic now has been flat a little bit, the curve. Yeah. And, and also this will, what will mean in terms of investment. Um, maybe some of them will put advertisement on it and that will change the commissioning. Maybe yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's a period in which there's a lot of work. Um, we don't know how our profitability can work out also on TV because I think Everybody is more cautious about cost, about spending, about you know, um, because when, when when you don't have a growth, even in subscribers, I think you try to be reasonable or stabilize, um, and so I think we're facing that that, that, that phase. Um, but also, there is still a space for high-end product. I think the TV always looks for high-end, very expensive, and very ambitious project, and this is. A, it's a market where we should always uh, be playing uh, in. They're, they're more rare than in the past, so we need to be more carefully. And maybe they rely on more safe IPs than, than in the previous time. I mean, they, they like to, if you see you know, projects like sometimes are already originated from already known IPs or IPs who have a recognizability. Uh, or talkability immediately larger than in the past. Mm-hmm. This is what the slightly change. Definitely. And so, so where's your current strategy heading then? What kind of shows are you making at the moment and, and looking to make going forward? Yeah, we're making, um, for example, 
for uh, I mean we, we we're making uh, in, in TV we're making um, large part of, of I would say lo local sh domestic shows quite high-end ambitious but domestic shows and we have three very high-end so we don't have kind of middle range so we're very much uh, we sit on the ground of of, of, of domestic shows that can have an ambitious it depends on, on who we're working with we transform into TV a famous larger comedy we have done in cinema we've done in TV because it's very highly request mm -hmm. and so we would like to um, to be the first one who do a very successful for platforms high hand uh, comedy that hasn't been you know done until now then we have other yeah, I, because I, I should talk about titles, but you know, yeah, we work with with the big, big, big stars in Italy, and to be, to make sure that these domestic products have success. I would say they're much safer product than in the past, mm -hmm. with, with the lowest uh, risk. But at the same time, I, I understand that there is a likability, um, a much easier likability to approach. And so we, we, we play safe because I think we have to remain a solid company as much as possible. And, but we, we, we are risk-taking in, in films and high-end TV and we still do that. Mm -hmm. And we have a couple of properties that travels are already selling very well and, uh, and we're happy. So it's very much these this, this, this two levels that they do combine together. And when you will see, in terms of when you will see hours late, you will fully understand what what, what that means. We use cinema because cinema, as we were saying before, before we produced a lot of comedies, domestic movies, because cinema was highly rewardable, so it was profitability was very high. Now profitability is less, so we move from doing a domestic cinema. We using the cinema to our cinema skills to connection to do, to produce more ambitious feature films. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we direct we, not only Italian directors but also foreign directors and uh, this we do a huge amount of investment on the next uh, three years I think we're producing with, with great talent and, and in very much international cinema with, with stars from all over the places and I, we think this is, gives us a, gives us, um, a standard uh, yeah, recognition into the into the film business as the quality driven, talent driven, and, and from them I think we can benefit also when we go back to TV high hand. We're more credible also because we have produced and we have worked with this talent. Mm -hmm. So I think the cinema commission has really changed, and we I, I don't think we do very much on the average films that we do in Italy were quite successful. Now we we do you know a 25, 30, uh, 35 million movie more than. Mm -hmm. that was never done before and I think Fermento is fantastic in that because it's backing us in this, in this policy because this mix of ambitions and, and, and stay domestic and growth internationally is great so when we need to be backed, we are backed, fully backed so we can be a kind of studio and when we are rooted in Italy we act as, an, as a production company so I think this flexibility of, of acting is, is, I think is very clever uh, and, and you know I don't know if it's very clear. It's very good for the timing we're living in. Yeah. You need to be, you, you never know which direction yeah. you will turn. Mm -hmm. You know, tomorrow maybe there will be a huge crisis and everything you'll start. So I think you, you need a little bit to, um, in the past was the opposite, you know, you establish your, 
uh, your goals, um, I'm like that, I will, you know, my company reflects my personality or something like that. I think now you need to be much more flexible and watch what's happening outside and react to what's happening outside. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. little less what is your taste or what <laughs> you <laughs> Yeah, and, and being part of a group like Fremantle just gives you that backing when budgets are tighter and, and risk-taking exactly. is down. Exactly. For example, I mean, a few years ago, nobody was talking about feature films anymore and then the yeah. pandemic and... Uh, Everybody was talking about serious, but we found there was a space, of course, also because big talent didn't want to get into from back back to back to a serious, so they mm-hmm. want to do a feature film. So, and 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 Fremantle was very, you know, was 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 very generous with us because we were proposing to invest in movies in, a, in that time of period that was not obvious, and they understood there was a market that was getting a little free because other other part other other partners were scared, and so the opportunity to take on talent that were left a little bit alone and invest on them and producing with them. And uh, I think that, and they've done it very quickly. I mean, that's incredible how a, a big company like Fremantle reacts to you quickly. You propose and they say, yes or no, you don't lie for a month because timing is an issue in our business. Or either you do it today or, do, or you never do it. And I think this gives us you know, reasonable advantage. Tell us a bit about the way you like to work with uh, talent, I guess, particularly directors, because you know, with Paolo Sorrentino and Nicola Amaniti, um, yeah. you've you obviously worked with them on series, and and uh, you know they're big filmmaking stars. I mean, how would you like to work with them, and and do you kind of just get out of their way and and let them do what they want to do? No, uh, yeah, Paolo's worked with Lorenzo Mieli more. I've worked with, you know, I mean, it's it's all a very you know, um, it's a chemistry we have to create, of mm-hmm. course. Talent are attracted by, especially when you go in TV, by the fact that TV allows them to have, you know, a longer narrative and also an amount of ambition and freedom mm-hmm. that film didn't have at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, still is like that, but you know, also a little bit is changing yeah. <laughs> for them. And, and of course, you know, big directors they do what they like to do. So as much as you can influence them, I think. The Dalek was always trying to address them to uh, to mix what is their instinct to what is I, I, I think is more is more online what align what you know people are, are seeking for. I mean, of course, we, you cannot be. Um, I mean, they don't do television for hire, mm-hmm. so they start for something that is very much into themselves, and uh, and this is the beauty of them. But at the same time, I think everybody is conscious that uh, success is is a combination of quality, but also being contemporary to the public. So I don't think sometimes you need to be easy or cheesy, but you, you always need to be contemporary. And I think the value is, is what you create in contemporary or not. Because if it's a contemporary, in, in some ways it will resound. But if it's out of time, if it's slightly out of time, I think you risk an success despite the quality of your product. So mm-hmm. this is, I think, this is the constant um, relation we have. How would we doing? Besides the fact that this is you no know, narrow, it's larger, it's for everybody, for no one, it's difficult for them in marketing-wise. But it's, are we sit in the contemporary world or not? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And and in terms of like co-productions, I mean, how how do you like to work? Are you are you bringing projects? Um, 
you know, to, to commission on your own or are you getting early stage co-productions? We do a lot of co-productions. For mm -hmm. example, now we're just co-produced with House Production, mm -hmm. a UK company, this uh, series with Disney, we'll do more. We co-produce Element now is, is a company here and we'll, we'll co-produce with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we love to do that because I think other thing that's changed, I think collaborating uh, has, has become much easier. Um, for example, Italy and UK have very rarely have co-produced in the past because taste will not matter. Mm -hmm. But this new world allows to, in the need of exchange, because we need, a, this world is more complex and you need more than an eye. And I think this is, has, has come, it's easy for us to do it. And, and it's very, it's very also profitable. Also because before the budget were very restricted, everybody was better to do a small stuff I keep all for myself. And now also there is economics that makes sense you do because you produce more project because you share with people mm -hmm. and you can raise the ambitions of the project. You can have both commissioning from you know UK and Italy. They have in their own budget, so it makes sense from all perspective to have. And we always have done it. Um, and I think it's, I think that's very little project that we don't co-produce. And we sometimes use, for example, one or two Italian smaller production company to attract for first-time directors for things we don't have time anymore to do it, but we need to do it because mm -hmm. we need to raise a new generation of directors. And sometimes we finance you know, a smaller company, we mm -hmm. dedicate all the time, the clever, dedicated time, and we back them and we produce films. So combining also in terms of collaboration, you collaborate with the big, but you also collaborate with very small. It depends what you're looking for and what you're doing. And, and so you mentioned, you know, the, the film comedy that you're bringing for TV and, and the house co-production. What, what can you tell us more about these shows and, and what you're working on at the moment? We're developing, you know, two shows with Disney, mm -hmm. two shows with Amazon, three shows with Netflix, two shows with Rai. Uh, for example, with, with Rai, we're doing one, one with two very well-reckoned Italian directors. Uh, high quality directors. One is called Giorgio Diritti, the film, official film that was in competition in Berlin and won a Silver Bear for Best Actor. It was a biography of an Italian painter and very high quality directors and we do an historical pieces about the construction of Italy in the last century so it's very solid, you know, high-end uh, drama. And then we'll be working with Alicia Rovacher on, uh, on her first uh, TV project, and we're very proud of. So we try to, again, to, to bring into the TV space talent that have never been in TV space, and maybe they need a more uh, public service TV space. Because mm -hmm. when we talk TV, we give for granted that we have to work for you know, streamers, whatever. Uh, but I think working with talent means find the right house also for, for the talent where to start with mm -hmm. and, um, and we're very excited about these two projects and we do with Rai because I think also the public services has, has understood that and has great opportunity now to understand which is my place you know, mm -hmm. in this world and uh, differentiate a little bit. In the beginning was a little panic, you know, should I follow them, should I not follow them, should I stay? And now I think they, they got it, what, what they should do and I think also for talent is reassuring to have an alternative for platforms and to have something that's stable, that stays, that talks always to a larger audience, even though it's shrinking, the audience still is very consistent. And if I, if I may, also you know how much audience you are making, right? <laughs> Streamers, you hardly know your data, so mm -hmm. right? 
difficult to understand. I mean, how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some, this is, for example, has been a problem when TV, the film directors, very popular film directors, got into platform with their feature films. They used to have, you know, uh, the the box office every, every day, so they could calculate. I in TV they didn't have. So how was my comedy in Amazon? Again, crazy for them because they have no relation with with reaction with the public mm -hmm. and. Uh, um, and so I think that certain directors still need that kind of contact with the result. And uh, yeah, so we have a large offer. And uh, sorry, and also too with Paramount. So it's like our, I mean, we work is like, yeah. uh, and we have in a slate other 12 feature films, you know, 12 feature films and 12 series series in our slate. This is a combined slate of all, all the next two years. So it's like, wow. It's a lot. It's a lot of uh, yeah. going on, and we I'm, I, we work with everybody. So again, here is uh, it's been. How, how has just the the Italian landscape been changed by the streamers? You know, you're working a lot with them, but then continuing that relationship with Rai. So how do you balance, you know, the projects or, or the broadcasters? You know, because again, I mean, you 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 can feel what I mean in terms of talent. You, I mean, I think that project that. You can tell them more for domestic TV, even though they will they will work quite well on platforms. Because you know that also some project that goes from public TV they go on stream, like on Netflix, for example, and very successful there. Yeah. So I think also it's changed. But what is happening is more is changing the platforms uh, audience more than the public TV. Public TV has always been a little bit the same, has been increased quality, whatever. But you know, but for us it was obvious what to bring to this public TV because it's. Their project who have also cultural value was immediate to understand. And then, I mean, I think commissioners in different streamers in Italy are quite good in making us understanding what they're looking for. So very straightforward conversation. So you know what Disney is looking for, the, the calm and the relation is very direct, straight. They know what can expect from me, and I know what I, and, and I understand what they want from me. And this is is because the need product is much more direct than in the past. You have to queue your project, whatever. Now it's like. You sit down, you know, they know what they want, you come back, you give to them. So I think it's, it's, it works very, very, otherwise you couldn't work that fast. We need to be that fast. I mean, before doing, you know, six series and six feature films per year would be impossible for any company. And, and also we try to, yeah, to be very cautious in the development. I mean, we, we finance project which we believe very on until the far end by the project that we, we think sooner or later will sell so we have a big exposure in, in, in development it helps us but at the same time you know we, we don't want to uh, overdevelop because we know that our capacity is limited and we know you know our capacity stays and you know so we don't want to go into that in that area um, yeah but you know streamers in Italy uh, have managed to communicate very well to producer in terms of the need of the product they need. The person like they and the meet themselves, they sometimes this clarity changes because changes the audience, the uh, data they have and um, yeah. Lorenzo Mielli became part of the Fremantle management team in 2015 when the company acquired the Italian production outfit Wildside, which he co-founded with Mario Giannani six years earlier. 
While Giannani continued to lead Wildside, Mieli established a new production label within Fremantle called The Apartment three years ago, taking with him series including My Brilliant Friend and developing a host of new film and TV projects such as new Timothy Charlemagne movie Bones and All, Super Sex for Netflix, Benito Mussolini drama M Son of the Century for Sky and Ferrari for Apple TV+. Mieli spoke to Michael Picard about these projects, the virtues of risk-taking, the importance of development, and why too much production creates an unstable ecosystem. It's been sort of three years with the apartment and you've had to navigate the pandemic and everything with, with sort of came with that. So how, how has it been sort of the last few years? You know, and I started up the apartment early days of 2020, so I can say that the I, I've never shown, I never choose a, a more appropriate name for a company because since then I've been staying in my apartment essentially for two years. Um, other than this, no, I, I think uh, as as you know, it's quite interesting how many, at least in Italy for sure, like there hasn't been such a, a quantity of productions like we've be, we've had. In these, t- in these two years and a half. So even though the outcome sometimes is random or, or maybe people can think it's too much, I don't think there's, any been another, there's ever been another moment, at least in my life, my work life as an experience, in, in which production was so busy in terms of movies and scripted shows done and executed in Italy. Yeah. So my, in our, my company, we focused the first couple of years mostly on uh, development. We've done important productions like The End of God, Paolo Sorrentino's movie, this year, Bonds and All. We've done um, quite successful shows. My brilliant friend shows that I was previously doing with uh, the Wild Side, I brought the show with me in this new company. So we've done a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, but essentially, what I wanted to do was developing, you know, is how can I say? I spent the, the years before trying to do more and more and more, if not mostly, if not all, uh, interna- big international uh, TV series and movies. And what I so what I did when I started the company, the reason why I asked Fremantle to back me up in this company was I want to invest a lot of time and, and also money in development, in developing big projects, that's what I've done. And now we're starting to see the results because most of the shows and of the movies that I've been developing now are currently in pre-production and production, like Super Sex, the one we're doing for Netflix about the life of Roxy Freddy and about Mussolini uh, for Sky with Sky and Pathé. Uh, Ferrari that has been announced for Apple. So these are things that I've been working on. Uh, and, and the core business of my company is developing projects to an extent creatively and production-wise to an extent where, where we take all the risk of development, we go outside to the market and try to, to find home for these projects, um, networks, streamers, uh, studios, when they're ready to be understood, at least for what they are. So we take the risk of potentially also having them know, but at least we we feel that us as producers together, most importantly with filmmakers and writers, we will control the creative of the projects we do. Mm-hmm. 
and so that when you bring them outside, they can, you know, the market can easily tell you, I like it or not. We're not promising sort of future uh, thing. We're not going there with an idea. We're going there with a real thing. So, so that's what I've been doing. And so far it has been very uh, satisfying. Mm -hmm. Uh, creatively, uh, it's really the work that I love to do, uh, development and 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 also strategic strategic attitude towards network streamers and studios. So going there with projects that I really think because I know them so well that they can fit their slate or their needs. And so yeah, this is what I've done. Yeah, and I mean with that emphasis on development. I mean, do you think development is kind of often overlooked, perhaps, just for the for the race to get a green light and, and get something made? Is is development sort of I left think, behind? I think no. I think usually when you when you are in a process of developing with studios and streamers and networks, the risk is to have too many discussions before the thing really exists, mm -hmm. and so that's why I think, and so to lose a lot of time, sometimes find yourself in a position of feeling too many concerns about something that has not even been written yet. Uh, because I think it's, it's, it's a good and right and fair position from a network or a studio or, or a streamer to have concerns thinking of their targets, their, their audience, their investors. But at the same time, I think they should feel it once they, hopefully, the idea would be they feel it when they really can watch it. And they say, okay, this fits, this doesn't. Mm -hmm. This would mean, and in fact, sometimes we do that. We invest, we we also co-invest or fully invest in, in, in the exec, ex, ex, sorry, execution. Mm -hmm. Bones and All is a movie that no studio would have bought on the script. It's about two cannibals, uh, kids. And uh, so you you can feel the concerns coming from people. So, Luca Guadagnino is a great director. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is, is an incredible star. But nonetheless, it's a topic that you might, you, you expect to feel a lot of concerns. And so we decided in that case to go even further. We said, let's do the movie and then let's tell it when it's done. Because we thought that the movie was going to be very strong. And in fact, luckily enough, like, not luckily, because Luke, thanks to Luca and to all the cast and, and creative cast and crew, the movie was good. So we, we were able to actually sell it to a big studio like MGM and Vision in Italy because they saw it. So they said, okay, this is a great movie. So this is like an, a, the extreme version of, a, of the example of uh, why I think development and internal and investing time and, and economics in development means give the filmmakers the opportunity to really express what they want to do. Here, thoughts from the producers that are already thinking about the market, but at the same time giving them the freedom that they need, and then go together when we really feel we have something that is special, unique, and strong, and can become an event, can become important, then we go out and sell it. That's why. I know, obviously, does that mean then that you or Fremantle are assuming all that risk and, and the money? That Because yeah. development's expensive, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's essentially... The, the core business and the core risk of the apartment mm -hmm. is taking that risk. Mm -hmm. So obviously I need to be very um, 
smart or, or uh, I can't, you know, I can take too many risks, uh, but I want to take risks because I think the, the problem with the films and TV series is that when they don't take risks, they don't, they don't stand out. So you want to you wanna create something that takes risks and, uh, but then in a good sense, because when you risk, the outcome can be really, you know, in this moment we have, I don't know how many thousands of shows per year, thousands of, only in Italy, like 300 movies per year, I don't know how many are seen by people. So the problem is to create something that really stands out and say it's unavoidable, it's undeniable, you need to see it, you need to watch it. It's hard to make something like that. And obviously, in order to get there, you need to take risks. Otherwise, if you do an average thing that doesn't make anyone anyone concerned, then probably no one is going to be attracted by it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yes, the short answer to your question is, Yes, we're taking risk and investing. And and how does that, you know, strategy then inform the way you work with directors and, and your creative partners? You know, you mentioned Luca and, and Paolo Sorrentino you've worked with on the, the Pope's series. Um, you know, how, what's that relationship like and what kind of discussions are you having about next projects and, and whether you will back them or, or not, perhaps? I, I do this job because I love filmmakers. That's the real reason why I do it. More than... When I started, I thought I used to. I, the, the reason why I was doing this job is because I loved movies and uh, and TV series, and that that is the beginning of it. But then, working, I understood that my what I really enjoy and what I really love and what where I'm trying to get better and better as you know my career. Let's say my evo- my evolution is to be a good partner for filmmakers, good production partner. So on the creative side, create a conversation that, that they can trust me and I, and they feel they're understood and I can be understood by them. Uh, and uh, and I would say also on the production side, because with filmmakers like Paolo, we, you know, it became more and more, the, the movie that we've done, the, the End of God, was produced by me and him because I, I do recognize that he is, that we really share the process. So I don't want to, obviously, he wrote it and directed it, and I did have no part in it, but I really think the process were, was really that we were co-producers of the movie. And so this is my, this is what I love about this show, conversation and real uh, intimate and, and, and thoughtful and very, trustful uh, conversation amongst me, between me and, and the filmmakers. Yeah. That's what I really like now about my job. Yeah. So it's, for me, it's very important to have this relationship with filmmakers more than, and together with, with, with them, choosing the, the best next project mm-hmm. rather than uh, picking up a good project without knowing the filmmaker or, so I try, I think I want to, I'm trying to establish an, uh, um, uh, a manageable amount of relationships with filmmakers that I, that I trust, that I love, that I can manage, that I can give them what they need and, uh, and keep working in this way. When you have a project that you want to take out to the market, I mean, 
how are you working with potential production partners and, and packaging projects with depends, talent? Completely depends on, on each project. Mm-hmm. That's very different. I try to, because of what, what I was saying before, I try to be to bring projects to the market when they're as much packaged as you as you said as possible. Mm-hmm. Always because I want to give the, uh, my future partners, so the buyers, that's the real feeling of what we have, what we're proposing. And to get there, I did everything that, that was needed by the filmmaker project rather than me as a producer. So many times I started co-production and I do a lot of co-production. I, want, I love to be a producer and you know, I, I would love to be considered a great co-producer rather than uh, a great producer. Because I do, my brilliant friend was made with, uh, with my friend and partner, Domenico Procaccia, who shared our process. He had the rights of it. In another case, Rock was Super Sex. It's a project that I developed. I had the, the property, the rights, and the, the, all the material of the development. But then I wanted to share with another producer director, Matteo Rovere, and uh, so I shared it with him because I, I really trust him and I think uh, he would have been perfect for, for the job. So, Depends. Agencies, other producers, co-producers, talent producers, whatever is best for, for the project. And, and, and I mean, just in Italy or when you're looking internationally, what are, what are some of the challenges that you're sort of facing at the moment? Is it, uh, you know, rising costs or, or lack of money for, for building those budgets? What are some of the challenges you're facing? Currently, I would say, few things. In Italy, what I feel is the risk is that I don't understand who are we producing all these movies and shows for. So there is, I would say, even too much production uh, on one hand. On the other hand, in general, obviously, no one has a clear idea in this moment of the ecosystem. How will it be in a few years from now? between theatrical, streamers, networks, mm, uh, devices. So how the, what's the best way to, to approach the, consum- the, the distribution of a project? Mm-hmm. So this is something that I feel is really, it's not a risk, it's, it's something where all the questions are going. And I think when, 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 a, big, when a big change like this is happening, because a few years ago, everybody would, say, would have said, okay, now streamers are going to be the, the most important piece of it, and then the rest is going to take, you know, is going to follow. It's not, it's not exactly going to be like that. So streamers are very important, are super big, but we've seen that their model is not exactly the initial model they had, like we own the whole thing and we're going to own, own it for the rest of the time and in every space possible is not going to be the only model. So I think it's interesting to understand. And for a producer, in order to be very useful for directors, is try to anticipate new things in this landscape. I always love to be pioneer in, in trying a new way of distribution, because I think distribution impacts a lot the essence of what you do. So I like to displace uh, filmmakers that has only done movies and tried to make them do for the first time TV series. I've done it many times. But at the same time, I love to do TV series in ways in which they haven't been done before. So probably with the Esternaut is a good case. This show 
First of all, Marco Bellocchio, 83, never did anything serious before. He's done it, it's great. We've done it for a public broadcaster in Italy, Arte in France and Germany, Netflix. So we put together, you know, in a different way, partners that since, I don't know, two years or three years ago, they weren't even talking. So I think this thing is something that, um, I wouldn't say it's a problem, but definitely it's not clear. And, uh, in, and we as producer, the most important part of our job is not to, uh, never to really rely on what the distribution system says, but be, being um, pro- propositive in, in new ways of using the landscape as it's, as it's changed. And, you know, since I, begin, I began my work, it's, it's a completely different world. When I began here, there were two film distributors in Italy and two channels, mm. TV channels, that was it. So, you know, uh, now we have uh, hundreds of independent distribution companies and uh, networks, cable networks, streamers, and so the problem is what is best for, for this filmmaker, what is best for this movie, mm. let's create a, a new process. And so, I mean, in, in three years, how do you see things sort of shaking out maybe if, if things are going to settle down a little bit? For sure, it's not, this, is, this is clearly, if you look at the theatrical world, if you look at the streamers world, if you look at the networks, if you look at studios, it's changing. Mm-hmm. You know, now everybody's assuming that someone is going to buy someone else. But other than this, which is not really relevant for me, for what I do, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested in who owns what. Mm. I'm more interested in how the ecosystem will be. And uh, the answer is, I don't know. I think some movies and some shows will show the way it works the better. So we as producers should be as, as innovative in order to propose ways of, uh, mm-hmm. if we have the right movies and the right shows and they're relevant, they are, they are undeniable for the market, then we can propose, why don't we, I don't know, start with the streamer and then go on a theater and then go on networks. I don't know, I'm just saying that you can be innovative if you provoke the system and you try new, new ways and then see where it lands. Yeah, it comes back to that risk-taking yes. kind of element. Yeah, yeah. And, and so where are the opportunities that you're looking to take advantage of? I think a big opportunity definitely now is Europe. I think Europe has been, on one hand, you might think, looking from the streamer's point of view, that Europe is controlled by, by these big guys coming all from, you know, they're, they're all Americans. So. This would, this puts Europe and, and all non-American countries in a difficult difficult position because it was never like this before, in, in, nor in cinema nor in television, because you were always dealing with 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 national entities strong with a strong national identity. Now they're new; they're trying to find their own uh, local identity while the original identity is very strong and very powerful, so it tends to dominate. So on that, on that side, this is true, but this is like, a, like an ask for all American countries to, to really think about, so what, what is it that we can do that is relevant internationally, but it's not seen from, from an American point of view. On the other hand, 
I think that Europe has always had, and now with a new wave, uh, with, a, with a super interesting new wave, and you can easily see this in Italy, uh, a new generation of writers, directors, actors, that because, and this is like the biggest uh, thanks that we have to give to the streamers, they educated immediately from day one the American audience and the, and the British audience to look at Italian shows, Israeli shows, Turkish shows, Spanish shows, and movies. So, so this brought again and documentaries, things that were disappeared in our ecosystem. So I think that uh, if you look at those, those two things that the streaming revolution has made, has brought, I think that uh, the opportunity is to use and, 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 and promote as much as we can our directors, our stories, our writers, and, and, and but thinking globally. For the first time in Italy, I see a lot of filmmakers, a lot of producers, my colleagues and friends, a lot of writers that really started to think, Does it, will this work in South, in, uh, South America? They, 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 they weren't used to, to think like that. That's all for this episode, but you can hear more discussion by tuning in to our C21 FM internet radio station, where you'll find new interviews airing from Monday. The podcast will be back next Friday. In the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening. 